This message was recorded during a live service at Temple Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Thanks for joining us as we love God, share life, and serve Christ. What should be our reaction to the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church? Uh, when you think of, of this theme, do you want to not show up on Sunday? <laughs> I, I don't think there's anybody not here today because they knew we were going to talk about the, the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. I, I don't think that's happening, but I can understand it. I mean, you know, who wants to think about a lady spending two years in a shipping container beat up by guards just because she's a Christian and refuses to not share the gospel, not preach, not sing, who is focused on because of her faith. I mean, who, who wants to hear that, right? Um, we, do we fear pity? Do we feel shame? Do we maybe even have fear, you know, what if it was me? I don't know if I could survive that or I, I, I don't know what kinds of feelings you have. I think I have all of those feelings when I think about the day of prayer for a persecuted church. So this year, as I approached it, as I mentioned earlier, I thought about the book of Revelation and then I immediately thought in the last few weeks we have read Jesus giving a, a letter to two persecuted churches. And I thought how appropriate that we have thought about those letters and let's let's think about them related to the persecuted church. So that's where I want to go, okay? I want to take these letters, especially the two that Jesus writes to persecuted churches that we've already looked at, and I want to do a couple things. One thing is I want to, I want to see how Jesus describes the persecuted experience. We've We've thought about it. How does Jesus describe it in these letters? What does he see in it? And then I want to ask the question, what does that teach us? That's where I want to go with this, okay? As I look at these letters in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, two of them addressed to persecuted churches, others addressed even on the side a little bit about persecution. As I look at that, I, I notice the experience of persecution. What happens when these first century Christians were persecuted? One thing that happens is they have poverty. They, they don't have money. Um, I've never lived in great poverty. I've lived a, a little bit of poverty these Christians in the first century experienced poverty because of their faith. Jesus recognized that. Do you suppose there are Christians in the world today 
who are facing economic poverty just because they're Christians? Absolutely they are. It wasn't just the first century that happened. That's happening today. Jesus talks about affliction. They are suffering. Their suffering is physical sometimes. Their suffering may be uh, emotional, family. I, I think about stories of people who have been disowned by their families because of their faith. Did that happen in the first century? It absolutely did. Did it happen today? Absolutely. Jesus recognized that these first century Christians faced affliction, suffering. Jesus says they were slandered. They, people outside the church said things about them that were lies. They weren't true. I don't know about you, I don't like it when somebody lies about me. It bothers me a lot. I don't like to be lied about. I don't like to be slandered. Yet in the first century, Christians in churches were slandered, were lied about. Do you think that's happening in churches around the world today? Oh boy, is it ever. I just think about churches in China that are, are torn down. The buildings are destroyed in the name of the unity of the nation. That these groups of people in these churches are slandered, they're lied about, and therefore their buildings are torn down and destroyed. Slander. Jesus talks about a fearful anticipation of suffering. Not just the suffering, but thinking, oh no, uh, there's going to be more suffering ahead. Sometimes that may be even harder than the suffering. Do you uh, ever anticipate something coming? I remember some of the surgeries I've had, especially the ones I knew were coming. When it was all over, I thought, well, that wasn't so bad. But anticipating, thinking about it coming, I, I built it up in my mind. Jesus recognized that part of persecution was just the anticipation that, that, that there's suffering coming. Jesus talks about imprisonment, going to prison. The, the Helen's picture, Helen's story of imprisonment in a shipping container. Whatever imprisonment. Isn't that for evil people? Isn't that for criminals to be numbered with the criminal? That's what happened in the first century. Is it happening today? It is. Jesus talks about the rule of Satan. He said, I know that you live where Satan has his throne. Does it gall you when Satan gets his way? That's what happens in persecution. Satan wins. He, he has his way with these people that are, are no danger to him. The rule of Satan, the, the bully. You ever think about Satan as the bully? I, I don't think I've ever really been bullied. I remember when I was in the seventh grade, I had a, a fight with a fellow student. 
and I got in trouble and this other guy got in trouble and it was kind of a skirmish, you know, a pushing, shoving match. I don't think I've ever been really bullied, but those who have been, oh, it's terrible. Isn't that what persecution is? Satan is a bully and he has his way. Jesus says to the churches in Re Revelation 2 and 3, to one of those churches, says, And you watched as one of your number was killed. I, I've never had to watch as someone was killed for their faith or anything else. Can you imagine how devastating it would be that one of your number is killed for his faith? Happened in the first century. It happens today. Watching others die, you might often, you might even wish it would be you instead of them. Jesus talks about the temptation to give up, to quit following him, to deny his name. You know, it's like, well, if I just, just say I'm not a Christian any longer, the first century, just burn some incense to Caesar, just, just give in and the pressure will be removed, right? That's persecution. The, the pressure to deny something that's precious to you, not in the sense of your maliciousness, but in the sense that somehow that denial means they win. Jesus describes those Christians in Revelation as little strength. I don't know about you, I don't like little strength. I was helping my son Dan move some things last night from a basement of, of uh, his mother-in-law. Uh, Kelly's mom is moving and they were moving some stuff and I was helping move stuff out of the basement and it was heavy and I was pretty poor and I wasn't much account and my strength was failing and I just felt like I wasn't, I just didn't have what it takes. Little strength, Jesus says. You suppose people in our world facing persecution feel they have little strength? I think so. Those are the words Jesus used in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 to describe persecution. And they still describe persecution. And I think if we see what Jesus said and we stop and think about it, we recognize that there are lessons for us there. What do I mean? Well, for example, the poverty the persecution of poverty is a lesson for us that riches don't last. Don't lay up for yourselves, Jesus said, treasures on earth. You see, if, if we recognize what persecution does, we see that it is a lesson even for us if we aren't facing that specific persecution. There's still a lesson. I can see Helen's story and I can learn from Helen's story more about following Jesus. That's what I want us to get. 
the, the lesson of the persecution of poverty is that our riches can be lost in a moment. So let's don't depend on them. Let's don't depend on them. The lesson about affliction. What's the lesson about affliction? That suffering is not punishment. It's not. Quit thinking that because we're suffering, somehow we're being punished by God or somehow God doesn't love us. Does God not love the persecuted church in their affliction? Yes, he loves them and he loves us in suffering too. The persecution of slander, being lied about, reminds us that it's only what God says that matters. It's what he says that matters, not what somebody else says. Is that hard to get? Sure it is. Does it, does it cut you if, if your son or daughter or someone you respect or someone you know says something that just, ugh, it's like a stab in your heart? Of course it hurts. And let the lesson of persecution be that it only is what God says that matters. Can you see that the same lessons in the persecuted's life are ours too? It's so clear to me. How about the fearful anticipation of suffering? What to be afraid of? The lesson is we don't need to fear. How about imprisonment? What's the lesson there? Sometimes imprisonment is unjust. That's a good lesson for us. Let's get off our high horse. Everybody in prison is terrible and deserves to be there. What well, they do deserve that must have been something. How about the rule of Satan the bully? I know that's not good enough to call him a bully, but it gets to the emotion of it. The lesson is evil is real. Don't let the world kid you. Evil is real. What about the, the lesson of watching others die? What, why, what, 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 what in the world would, do we need to learn from, from the persecuted who have to stand by and see someone else die? We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. What about the temptation to quit following, to deny, to, to give up, to throw in the towel, say it's too hard, I'm just going to be like everybody else. We need to hear Job say, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. There really is no other hope than Jesus. There isn't. What about little strength? Well... Paul said it real well, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I will therefore glory in my weakness that Christ's strength will be shown in me. My, my point is, I, I hope it's gotten through, when, when we see the persecution of brothers and sisters in Christ, we are looking at something that's been going on since Revelation chapters 2 and 3, since even before that. 
And we can see the lessons that Jesus draws to the churches there. And they're the very same lessons we need. The very same ones. Not because we're facing persecution, but because those are the lessons of walking in faith with Jesus every day. Don't let their persecution be wasted on us. Don't let their persecution be wasted on us. What, what lessons do I need to apply from the persecuted church of Revelation chapters 2 and 3? What are the lessons I need Am I faithful to Jesus? To Jesus is, is my loyalty to him. When Jesus addresses the churches in Revelation 2 and 3, he often points out where they're failing, what they've done wrong. And when he does that, he always says, repent, always. In one case, he said, I gave you a chance to repent and you didn't, and so now judgment is coming. Repentance is always there. So for us, when we look at these lessons, or when we think about our lives, if Jesus is saying, you know, you're, you're really not where you should be here. And this, these things in your life are not what I want them to be. He isn't saying to us, feel guilty, go cry in the corner. Uh, he isn't saying to us, you know, um, think to yourself, well, I'll never be the right kind of Christian I should be. He doesn't want any of that. He just wants us to turn to him and say, okay, Jesus, I see. Without you, I can't do it. I turn to you and ask that you will help me be all that you want me to be. Repent. Repentance is not some kind of penalty we pay. It is the direction we choose to walk. And Jesus says, are you falling down on the job? then you need to repent and walk to me. That's, our, that's ours too, okay? We can let the persecution of others be for us the same lessons they need because we need them too. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we have all kinds of emotions when we think about the persecuted church. But as we, as we think together right now, we simply say, Help us walk with you through whatever is ahead faithfully with the kind of dedication 
and discipline that you want for everyone, us included. And Lord, where we fall, give us the courage to stand up and turn back to you, for that's where we need to go. And we pray in, in your name, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to be notified of future messages from Temple Baptist Church, be sure to hit the subscribe button. If you would like to further connect with us, please visit tbcfargo.org. Until next time, we encourage you to join us where you are in loving God, sharing life, and serving Christ.